All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Whitetail Bloodline podcast. Changing things up a bit this time. Your trusty host, Mr. Tyler Wilbur. And with me alongside is my partner in crime, the Sly Swamp Fox, Mr. Gavin Wayne. What's going on, brother, man? You're smooth and sexy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I learned I learned from an honest person, you know? Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're good, man. You, you're night and day difference from when you started. So let's talk about it, man. We're having Joe Miles on today. I'm super Mr. pumped Ozzie for this Ozzy O himself. Yes, sir, man. We're going to talk about a lot of things. Can't wait to uh, pick his brain about a few things. And man's a big buff killer. And his walls tell that. So, yeah, to say the very least, man, I'm excited for this one. Absolutely, brother, man. But uh, yeah, without further ado, let's get him on the phone. Let's do it. There he is. What's going on, Joe? Hey, guys. What's happening? How's it going, Joe? Man, going well. Hope you boys are doing good. We're hanging yeah. in there. Yeah, we're just busy, but excited to talk to you tonight. Yeah, man. Me too. All right, Joe. So, pleasure talking with you again. Um, for all the listeners that don't know who you are, uh, if you just want to give a little plug where you grew up at and how you got your love for hunting. Sure. Yeah. Joe Miles, uh, born in Columbia, South Carolina. Live in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, my dad was a big hunter and started taking me when I was really young. Uh, I can remember, I've told this story a few times. I can remember waking up in the middle of the woods in a sleeping bag and looking out, not knowing where I was and a piece of candy hitting me in the top of the head and looking <laughs> up in the tree hunting. So that was probably my earliest memories of hunting. And, uh, he just really took me under his wing. He, he was very, very passionate about it. And basically when I was 12 years old, I had a little sawed off 243 and he turned me loose and said, go figure it out. So that, that's kind of how I got started. And, you know, I've hunted a lot here at home in South Carolina. And then, um, you know, as I got older in my early twenties, I, I started to be able to travel to hunt and really, really enjoyed that. So yeah, that's, that's kind of me and, and where I am and, and, you know, what we're doing. That's awesome, Joe. Yeah, that's, that's, I can relate to that too. You know, my dad kind of did the same thing, got me involved when I was younger, you know, 10. I was alongside him in the woods. So definitely relatable. Um, but yeah, Gav, you got anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I'm say that's just, I like hearing that. We've, we've already talked to you, Joe, many times. So I'm excited to just re talk to you because it's been a while since, since we were at the indie show. But I grew up the same way. Uh, my dad, I remember. When I was young, I think I brought this up on a couple podcasts. I remember like hugging my arms around his neck and him going up a climber. And I remember him going up about 30 feet, but I talked to him like last year or this year about it. He's like, nah, dude, we went about five feet off the ground. I was like, ah, yeah, 30 sounds better. But so, <laughs> so that's really cool, Joe. So uh, you were saying you started in your early 20s. You started getting uh, more ate up with the whitetail bug. When, when did you start traveling? Like what uh, age-wise? So I, I really, I, um, I started bow hunting when I was 16 at home and, you know, started that. And then I guess when I got out of school, I started a business, an outfitting business. And as we were doing that, I guess my first real, I went to Mississippi and hunted some public land there. So I guess that was kind of my first out of state bow hunt. Uh, but then, uh, got invited to go hunt some public land in Illinois 
and went out there and it was a, a shoot, um, shoot, earn a, earn a buck. So you'd have to, you'd have to get drawn and you could get drawn like on Wednesdays and Saturdays. And so the other days, you know, I was trying to hunt another spot, but you'd, you'd have to shoot a doe before they'd let you shoot a buck. And, and, um, you know, I, I ended up getting my doe and the hunting on the public we were on was not very good. So I started kind of reaching out to different people and making connections and end up, ended up finding a local guy and, and we actually became lifelong friends and he let me hunt a couple of his farms and ended up killing a, a Pope and young buck. Uh, and, and that just really, you know, that, that started everything for me as far as traveling and hunting and going after bigger type deer than what we have in South Carolina. And, um, yeah, man, it was just a, a great, great experience. And, Y- y'all know how it is, man. You get the white. Oh, absolutely. And, and just, you can't get enough of it. Yeah. What 100%. was it like going from those Southern deer to a good old Midwestern deer? Well, it, you know, I, I think everybody will, well, not everybody, but a lot of people that have hunted both would agree that the, the Illinois bucks are, are easier to kill because, they, they get funneled down once all the crops get taken out of the ground, you know, they, they, they get funneled down and, you know, it, it, they just don't have as many places to hide. Whereas like in the Congaree river basin where I hunt here, it's all vast swamp, vast uh, timber blocks with very, very little ag. So it's, you know, it, it's a, it's a whole different animal. Uh, so they, it's just, right. I, I, maybe they're not, maybe they're not easier to kill the terrain as far as the deer's senses are, are, um are concerned but but maybe it's they're easier to kill because the terrain sets up to where you can access them easier yeah we've been talking to john a lot and he's from kansas central kansas and uh me and tyler we're in both pressured pretty pressured areas tyler even more so than me being in pennsylvania and it's just kind of crazy the stuff you can get away with in kansas with those deer compared to where we are like john can go set up a a ground blind in the middle of a field and have big bucks walk up to it that night. Like if I did that in Indiana and I'm sure the same with Tyler in Pennsylvania, he set up yeah. blind right up in the middle of a field where they're at. They're not going to come in that field, not for a, a while at least, unless it's the rut and they're a rut craze. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I agree too. Like up, up at my cabin, there's a lot of times, you know, uh, just setting up a ground blind. It, like you were saying, Gav, I, I've had does pick me out while setting it up. It's like, oh man. <laughs> well, that's that. So, so yeah, Joe. Um, one thing I want to talk about. One thing that uh, we love about you is the Osseo camo, man. So I kind of like to get start talking about that and uh, basically just like how you got the vision to start your own clothing brand. Yeah. So you know, going back to the passion for whitetail hunting and really immersing myself in that from a very young age and, and never being able to shake it. Uh, you know, like, like all of us growing up for the most part, you know, the guys that are, you, know, you guys are a little younger, so you, you probably didn't go through all this, but man, we would just wear a sweatshirt on top of sweatshirt on top of sweatshirt on top of insulated underwear to try and stay warm. And we look like the Michelin man, you know, going to the tree <laughs> stand and uh, yeah. you know, you'd still freeze because that's all we had. You know, we, we may have a wool jacket and, and, and some type, I think Thinsulate was coming around when I was young, but still you got super, super cold. I mean, to the point where you would wear a, 
a, a rain jacket as a as a mid layer to try and cut the wind on real windy days and you know i just thought that's what it was you know that's just what we had to deal with and and uh man as i as i progressed and and started some uh you know my my businesses and and got to where point where i could really do some traveling and hunting you know for sheep and goats and elk and mule deer and that type stuff i got exposed to the to the really high-end premium hunting brands and you know bought some of that stuff to go on those pretty exotic hunts and it meant it was just super eye-opening to see what quality uh, gear could do for you i mean you know some of those hunts can be life and death and and uh, not having the proper gear can, can really jam you up. So after doing that for a while, I, I said, you know, I really see a gap here. I want to bring the real high-end premium stuff and and bring it to the whitetail space uh, from, from, a, from a whitetail hunter's perspective and, and more specifically a bow hunter's perspective. And, you know, m- most of all the big premium brands are born out west, you know, and they, and they migrate to the bow hunting world because that's where or they, they migrate to the whitetail world because that's where, you know, most of the hunters are. And, and we kind of went the opposite. We, we figured out the really high end gear and, you know, put a good camouflage pattern on high quality stuff that's going to keep you warmer uh, in the cold and keep you in the stand warmer with with windproof um, laminates and membranes and then we also have stuff for you know hunting really early season that keeps the fabric off your skin and it it really helps the the moisture evaporate and just some really high speed stuff and then you know i guess you guys know the story about how we came up with our camo pattern and and um, once we parlayed both those or put them both together man it, to, to me it was a it was a no-brainer that we had a winner yeah i would, I would agree 100 because i'm that guy you were explaining right there at the beginning even last year you can ask tyler like i was crying about the cold weather a lot last year because it got pretty yep. cold last year compared to uh, years previous previous and i had some decent clothes but nothing crazy i'm just that guy it was it was hard for me to spend that much money on i would always say i was a tough guy and i could tough through the weather but with every year Weather bothers me more, so I'm excited, man. Just been wearing that Osseo camo around doing deer stuff, and it's nicer than anything I've worn. It's so <laughs> yeah. warm, and it's just so comfortable. It's more comfortable than most of my streetwear I own. That's good Absolutely. to hear. We, we, we love to hear that. Yeah. I, I think, too, it's the little things with Joe that go a long way for me. It's like you have vents on the side, and it's like, man, when as soon as I put those on, I was like, wow i mean i felt like superman i was like oh my god and i love pockets too i love having a a bunch of pockets that i can put you know my range finder you know my my wind checker or you know my so all the pockets the vents i was just blown way out of the water uh by is it's awesome stuff i can't wait to give it out and into the woods man that's good to hear we we you know that's the feedback we get you know is is what helps us you know design stuff uh really for what guys need and want and and you know getting good honest feedback from folks you know the first two or three years of us doing this is 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 helped a ton um so that that's always good to get the feedback yeah, the vent thing I thought was cool because I had them unzipped and I didn't realize it. And I, I was like, when I saw them, I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. When you're walking in, it'll definitely help for heat. But uh, I was just like, yeah, how well is it going to work? Just just thinking. And I remember walking outside and they weren't closed and I didn't know it. And 
I could feel it. I'm like, why are my legs so cold? Look down, zip those bad boys up, and my legs <laughs> got instantly warm. So you sold you sold me the first time I put it on, yeah. Good deal, man. That's awesome. Yeah. And and too, like with we were when we were at the indie show and looking at the the late season stuff, the bibs, you know, um, that have the little covers over the buckles i was like man that is just that is just awesome stuff <laughs> well you know we we really you know when we when we started developing all this we just pulled everything that we had that we hunt bow hunted out of we just pulled it all out laid it out in a big room and started going through you know pant legs and then pocket placement and then you know jacket length how, how long do you need the jacket you know to maximize sitting in tree stands right. so when blow up the back you know a pocket here why why would you have a pocket there why wouldn't you have a pocket here hand warmers right. you know got out of saddles you know on our bibs we have the the high hand warming pockets and then the thigh the front thigh pockets so guys that hunt out of saddles can easily access their pockets which is a you know a difficult thing to do so yeah you, you know you don't ever have it completely exact you're constantly evolving and constantly following technology and, and getting new and better ideas. So that, that's really the plan with Osseo is just keeping, you, you know, keep ingenuity going and, and continue to expand and improve the brand, you know, as, as technology improves. Absolutely. I love that. So, so when you go, Joe, when you saw that owl and you had that aha moment, like, yep, there's something here. From that moment, when did, how long did it take you to have, like, your first set of clothes, like a, a full Osseo getup? So that was in October when I did that. And I went, I, I actually had a childhood friend uh, who I actually was talking with before I got on the podcast with you guys that um, he is, he worked for a big uh, company a clothing manufacturing company and now he's gone off as a consultant and and he works with us we're we're obviously one of his one of his main clients but um he and i sat down went through all that and he had all the cut and sew factories lined up he knew exactly what we needed um so the the process really is you, you start with with fabrics so we we got shipped in a ton of fabrics and kind of went through them and decided what we wanted for pant fabric, what we wanted for jacket fabric. And then once you, once you have the fabrics dialed, then you have to make, um, well, we, we actually sent samples of, of clothing that we liked with all the changes that we wanted to make. And we started getting our prototypes in and obviously you have to tweak those for round number two. So it, it was really, let's see, we started in October it was probably March before we had the first prototypes and then they probably got approved. Everything got approved in May. And then we had, we, we didn't do a huge run our first year we had and COVID uh, came in too. So that really snagged things for us with the, um, you know, with the getting stuff shipped in. So we really didn't get our first, uh, our first supply in until the end of August in 2019. So that's, it went from really not, not quite a year from October to August. And we were, we were in business in July of 2019. Wow. Nobody knew who ICO was. Look at you now, man. Wow. Well, Just, I yeah. Know, the amount of people we saw rocking your stuff at the trade shows when we were there with you, I was like, yeah, I love seeing it. That's good stuff. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're, 
we're, we're definitely growing. Um, we're starting to get brand recognition. And I tell you what, really, we, we just finished up a show in Ohio. And, and um, when, you know, there, there's some, some OG brands that were, were there, you know, tree stands, uh, bow companies, broadhead companies. And when those guys, you know, staff are coming over to the ICO booth and, and wanting to get outfitted head to toe full line, um, you, you know, I think we really are on the knife's edge of, of this thing taking off. And, you know, we, we've worked really hard at it. I mean, it, it's been, I, I, I've told this a million times, I'm, you know, I've beat this dead horse, but since, since we started in October of 19, uh, or that would have been 18, when we started in October of 18, um, you know, it's been 4.30 in the morning to 10.30 at night, you know, just about seven days a week. You know, there, there are no days off. You're constantly doing stuff, and, and it's, it, it, it's a ton, a ton of work, but I really enjoy it. I love meeting the guys, you know, meeting guys like y'all that, that are passionate about it, that are, you know, just as hungry as I was at, at, at y'all's age, and, you know, just being a, a, a real part of the bow hunting and, and hunting community is a, is a neat thing. Yeah. Love that, Joe. Yeah. So, so Joe, you, you love to travel and hunt and stuff. You know, we were, we were kind of going into you traveling and getting the love for whitetail. What is your favorite state to hunt whitetail in? Favorite state probably right now is Kansas. Um, I, I really, really like Kansas. I'm starting to warm up to Ohio. I just got a new spot to hunt in Ohio that looks nice. incredible. Um, so, and I've, I've killed deer in Ohio before, but, um, I, I haven't spent a ton of time there. I spent a ton of time in Illinois, a lot of time in Kansas. And, and that's what it boils down to. You get familiar, you know, you, you could say Missouri, Kansas, Iowa, sure. Illinois, Ohio, you know, they're all great states, Western Kentucky. Right. It's, it's what you, what you are most familiar with and, and, yep. and really what, what kind of deer you're going after. Um, I mean, if you had to say, you know, right now, where would you be the most confident going and shooting a Boone and Crockett deer this coming, um, you you know, rut or fall, I I would say Kansas. Let's go. Look for Joe to kill a 200 out of Kansas (laughs) this year. He's coming for John boy. There you go. Yeah, it's time. Knock one down for sure. Yep. And speaking of Kansas, we're uh, going to put in for the draw in what two weeks, Tyler? It's coming up. Yeah, yeah April first. Yeah. Yep. So we're excited. Hopefully, we draw. It's our first yep. time. We're putting in as a group, and we talk to people and say that kind of helps your odds. So we will see. That's always been our whole group's dream hunt, and we might be doing it this year. So. Great. Yep. Well, you will not be disappointed. Kansas is a wonderful state to hunt and they got a lot of deer and a lot of big deer yep. can't wait one thing you said joe is uh there's no days off and i know you and tyler have this in common my little butt does not have this in common i know you're big one working out and do you <laughs> do you think that has something to correlate with you uh, having this passion and being so successful in your white cell career Man, I, you know, I've gotten to, I'm 47 now. And if I don't work out, I, you know, we m- made the reference to the Michelin man earlier. Um, I'm going to look like the Michelin man with no clothes. <laughs> on if, I don't, if, I, if I don't work out. So um, I, I have to do, you know, I really have to do it for that. Uh, I, I've got bad shoulders too. And if I let them, you know, if I don't keep them active, I think I'll start getting some uh, inflammation and stuff in there. So I, 
I do try and stay as active as I can. And, and, and it all goes back to discipline. Um, you know, if you're, if you're disciplined, you'll get up and, and, you know, when you don't feel like it and work out or, or, you know, after work, go work out, you know, you, you start developing discipline that, you know, when you do need to respond to those social media messages or you need to make a social media post, it just becomes second nature. It's just something that has to be done and, and you do it. So yeah. I, I do think, I do think a good, you know, you certainly don't need to be a super fit human to, to shoot whitetail no. deer. You don't have to be Cameron Haynes to, to go shoot a white. <laughs> but it, man, it, it really does help, especially during the grind. Um, what, what it yeah. does, you know, if, if you're in good shape and you're hanging four or five stands, it keeps you from taking shortcuts to where, you know, I, I really need to climb up over that last limb or I need to reach out and saw that limb or, and, and you start making shortcuts and excuses and you go, nah, you know what? It'll be right here. If he walks, if he walks around here, I can still get a shot at him. And, and whereas if you were in, in good shape, you just pop right over that limb, hang the stand where it needs to be, saw that limb and off you go and you go do four or five of them in a day. Um, so it keeps you from making excuses that, that can end up biting you. Yeah, I agree with that 100 percent. I think, too, it helps me keep a positive mental attitude as well. Uh, just always kind of uh, normally when my schedule allows it, I'm a morning guy. So for me, it's kind of how I start my day. It's just kind of gets the juices flowing for the work day. You know what I mean? So but yep. it definitely. Definitely helps. I, I agree, Joe. Uh, in the in the whitetail grind, you know, in the lowest of lows, you know, having that positive mental attitude to overcome them mountains sometimes is it, it's a difference, you know. Absolutely. Yep, I agree with that. Yeah, I've I've been thinking about it. My thing is, I do manual labor for work all day, so like the last thing I want to do when I get off work is lift more weights because like all <laughs> last week I was lift, lifting eighty five pound blocks and probably lifted thousand of them than that one day so when yeah. i get off work i'm a little beat but i have been thinking about running getting back into running starting that well, in the morning man that's that's better than 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 what i do i mean sustained physical activity is is way better than getting one hour of but because that's kind of my routine is, you know i'll get a get an hour workout in in the morning and then you know i'm doing office stuff most of the day i try to um, when I can shoot my bow in the either before the workout, if it's daylight, um, which normally it's not. So shoot the bow in the middle of the day or shoot the bow in the afternoon before I go home. Um, but, but a lot of the day, man, I'm, I'm in meetings, I'm on the phone, I'm returning emails, not, you know, that sort of stuff. So, so, um, you know, Gavin, what you're doing that, that all day grind is, is keeping you in, in tip top shape. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I have noticed that. You like Tyler, right when he joined the team last year, it was right before Kentucky opener, and that was the first time we met. He drove down and he hunted that first week with us. And Tyler can vouch. I'm a walker, man. I can I can put on some miles pretty quick. But when it comes to lifting and stuff, that's where I start getting beat. Like once I kill that deer and I'm dragging them out, that's when the 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 weight lifting helps you a lot because I get beat real quick dragging out a deer. No, I, <laughs> I do too. That that that'll that'll make you cry for mama in a hurry <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I, I shot that kentucky buck just shy of a mile back and we had to go up some bridges and some some divots and oh, I, we had to take a few breaks and i had to run to the gas station to get more water at one point we were so dead <laughs> yeah no, I get it. Uh, yep. 
so one thing you just uh, had a pretty big milestone, Joe. You've been uh, starting a podcast, and you just had year one. So I want to talk about that since we've we've been doing podcasts. We really enjoy it. Tyler's been getting in hot and heavy, and he's about to start doing a lot more. So yep, yeah. So yeah, we started uh, Mission Whitetail this time last year, and we we come on every other week, and we did our twenty sixth episode. Uh, we we filmed it. Or we film it and it goes on YouTube and and then on all the the I guess Podbean whatever they are Kevin's in charge of that that's 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 young man stuff there. <laughs> yeah, shout out old Kevin. We love yeah. Kevin. Yeah, so, yeah, we do. Uh, that that was uh, that was our one year yeah one year anniversary and you know we we um we're we're really happy with with how it's going and and the feedback that we're getting from guys and. We've had some real superstar guests on, and I think that helped a lot. And and we we just really try and focus as much as possible on providing value and educating ourselves from other hunters that are super successful, and then trying to share that with guys that, that want to improve their their game. And so that's that's kind of the the whole you know the, the name Mission Whitetail is you know yeah. what, what we try to do every every day and certainly every podcast. Yeah, that's, that's my awesome. favorite thing about your guys' podcast. I listen to every episode. I didn't know you guys did the, the video on YouTube, so I'm going to have to check that out as well. But I like the informative side, how you guys are trying to teach. That's a big part of the Whitetail Bloodline where I talked to Tyler and the boys about today. I was like, yeah, we need to get back into that teaching side of the podcast because we've had some yeah. BS sessions uh, here lately. But, yeah, man, I just love what you guys are doing. And you've had some good guests like you had Andy May and Don Higgins, which Don Higgins, is he's one of my faves, man. I, I love that dude and everything he's doing. Yeah, he he's great. He's been a heck of a mentor. I actually talked to him today about a that that property in Ohio. You know, I want to get a second set of set of eyes on it because I'm going to be laying it out how I kind of want to hunt it. But it's always good to get a a second set of eyes, especially from somebody that's seen about every single property uh, set up under the sun. And and Don and I have become you know good friends and 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 been working together going into our I think this is our second or third year working together and he's just a, a fine man and, and been a great mentor and a wealth of knowledge yeah yeah to say the least Tyler oh sorry man um, hey I got a question for you Joe what what is something you know on kind of a side conversation? What is something you think that is mostly overlooked in the whitetail woods that could be beneficial for you know newer hunters? Yeah, I I, I really think that, that's a, a a pretty quick answer for me. Um, guys getting ultra lethal with their equipment and asking the why in everything that they do, uh, every piece of equipment they buy. Every every bow, every arrow, every broadhead, every knock, every fletch, every launcher, every release, every pair of boots, socks, camo—you name it. You don't listen to Johnny, whoever on TV that says you need to shoot this bow. Ask why you need to shoot that bow. What what makes that bow better than another bow? Is it more dynamically efficient? Is it quiet? Is it faster? Do you, do you really physically like the draw cycle? How do you shoot it? You know, th- th- and that, that's just 
I'm just touching on the very tip of this. I mean, that goes down to the, the grid in your boots, you know, is, is it, are the grid in your boots, is it really, really tight? So you get a bunch of mud stuck in there and you climb up in the stand, it freezes. And then 10 o'clock in the morning, you're turning the bucks there and it knocks mud out of your boots and it falls on the ground and spooks him off again, just, just little tidbits. But right. I think something that guys really overlook um, is, is becoming ultra familiar with their equipment really understanding how it works and those are all things you can control and you you can't at the end of the day you can't control that buck he's going to do what he wants to do and he's a lot smarter in his environment than we are but i think if a young hunter will come out and and control what he can control uh, be a sponge around guys like a don higgins you know like andre de quisto like dan invault you know, be, be a, you know, be immer- immerse yourself in their stuff, their stuff, because those guys are, are really the OGs of, of, of whitetail hunting and, and, um, you know, kill giants. And, and they, you know, they have a little bit different tactics, but you can take what those guys do and, mm-hmm. and mold it into, into, you know, your style. You know, I, I had yep. the privilege of, of training with some SEAL Team 6 guys and, and uh, they talk about knowledge transfer and they, they would get as much knowledge about close quarters battle CQB as they could get. And they, they would transfer that knowledge into how they do things and, you know, kind of ball it up and pass it to the next group. And, and right. I think you know, that knowledge transfer of taking something that somebody else has done that's proven and tweaking it, molding it into how you want to do it. Uh, that, that's, you know, that's powerful stuff. Yeah, I agree with that 110%. Knowledge is yep. power. Yeah, that's, that's how I do it. I like taking a little bit here, a little bit there from a, a guy and then putting it into how I hunt. Because everybody hunts a little different. But like you're saying, if you can get this many tips from these these guys who've been doing it for three times longer than I've been alive, some of them, you know. And there's a reason they're killing big bucks. So, yeah, that's. That's a big thing for me too. That's why I listen to a bunch of different people's podcasts. I watch a bunch of people's YouTube's because I'm nit- nitpicking everything I can. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, so much of it gets regurgitated. You know, that yep. you know, somebody yeah. will listen to uh, Don Higgins say something, and then they, they'll take it as their own and regurgitate it. But it's it's easy it's easy to weed through all that if you have an open mind i mean if if your goal is to buy a farm in illinois and manage it for 200 inch whitetails then you need to you need to go become best friends with don higgins if if you want to hunt the marshes in um wisconsin on public land then dan involts your man um you, you know and he's he's an expert in that area um so so that's that's just it if if you if you're a super aggressive hunter and you know, you, you buy into the bump and dump thing and, and um, you know, that, that's kind of your, you like to be really aggressive and be mobile, then then you need to look into how Andre DeQuisto and, and that lone wolf, those lone wolf guys do stuff. So it's, you know, it just depends on, you know, how, what what you want to do. And then you, you find the guy that does that. And then you, yeah. that really does it, that, that has a wall full of deer doing it. And then that's that's that, that that's my advice is to is to is to go that route. Yeah, 
And yep. uh, who is – you're a little older than us, Joe. So who is uh, somebody you looked up to when you were in your yep. early 20s when you started getting ate up with it? Absolutely. Well, well so um, my dad was a was an absolute savage. Um, he, he was a whitetail machine. He had the 11th biggest whitetail taken in the state of South Carolina and, you know, just hunted. Wow. Old. So, so my dad would be number one. Um, but then, you know, if I if I really look back at it, the 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 Primus guys, Will Primos, you know, he was mm-hmm. getting going, um, you know, and, and we were talking about this on a another podcast that, that uh, Rendell brought up. We, we did one the other other day in Ohio and, you know, the, the truth from the what what is it? Uh, the truth. That was the name of the Primo series. And yep. I, I bet I watched those takes 50, 50 times. You know, a, a weekend sometimes, just over and over and over again. Um, so, so they they had definite a definite influence, which hence the reason I went down to Mississippi and hunted public land down there because you know they were kind of Mississippi, Louisiana. You know that was kind of their their stomping grounds. And I actually ran into Will's brother Jimmy Primos in a at a Domino's Pizza. He was getting takeout, and I was too. And I, I talked to him for about ten minutes, and that that was a, a real highlight. Um, the Wenzel brothers, you know, big big uh, big time traditional hunters. Uh, they they were from Montana, and then or, or they lived in Montana and moved to Iowa, and those were you know guys. And then you know you know Andre's quite a bit older than me. You know, I think he's he's in his sixties now. So when I was you know when he was in his heyday. Um, you know, I, I really followed him and, and, and paid attention to what he was doing through those whitetail addictions videos. So, yeah, those those were some of the guys that I really looked up to. So uh, awesome. I know, Joe, you, you're a big buck killer, man, and uh, you film your hunts. So when did Kevin come into the picture and when did you, he start being your right hand man and filming you and uh, helping you out so much? Yeah. So um, I started with Matthew's Dominant Bucks. Oh, I'm trying to think. Adam and I were talking about that the other day. It had to be uh, 2010, 11, somewhere around in there. And that was all self-filming. Um, and Adam, we, we did that for a couple of years. Then we started the Team 200 project. And that was going to be more of trying to get camera guy in the in the stand so you could really tell the story and get better higher quality footage and um kevin actually reached out to me i think he was 19 and he was working at a sporting goods store and he reached out to me i guess he saw some some of our stuff and saw that i was from south carolina and he said hey man i'm i'm here in south carolina at this gun store you know if you ever need a cameraman or anything like that i'd I'd love to interview for the position. So I went up and met him and he and I kind of hit it off. And the good thing about Kevin is he is very, uh, he's very patient. Um, he, he's very mechanical and he's very quiet. Um, mm-hmm. and, and man, it just, it, it worked perfect for, for what we did. And, and, um, you know, we, we went all over, man. We went to the country of Turkey, went to Alaska, um, you know, went to New Mexico <laughs> on, on elk hunts, um, you know, we, we went to British Columbia on a moose hunt and, and um, just have done a ton of stuff together. And, and he his career is really, I won't say, yeah, it's, it's changing. You know, he's, he's, he's got a kid now and, and um, he's going to, he's, he's changing from the operations director of ICO. He's going to be the 
head of content creation. So after we finish up this trade show this weekend, that's he's going to immerse himself in that. So all the ICO content that you see, all the Joe Miles hunting content that, that comes out, the reels and stuff, he'll be putting all those together. And then he's going to be doing some of his own stuff too. So pretty neat to, to watch him grow in the, in the sport. Heck yeah. I love Kevin. Kevin was a great dude. Knew that from the start when we met him and uh, when I met him, Ed PA with you and Cole. Cole's another one too. He 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 cracks me up. <laughs> yeah, well, he, Cole's the, Cole's the accountant, so uh, you, you know how accountants are. So that yeah. <laughs> he, he's he's awesome, dude. I, I love uh, when we were having dinner that night. How you said he's not allowed to touch your bow. I, that just still this this day cracks he, he's me not, up. He's not allowed to touch it. He's not allowed to look at it. He, he, <laughs> It's honestly every time I hear Cole, I think of that bow story. It comes to my head. Yeah, yeah, I just, yeah. And he always joke. He thinks that's the funniest thing. He's like, "Yeah, man, I was shooting your bow earlier when you were at lunch." And yeah, it's it's kind of back and forth. That's awesome. So, Joe, one uh, thing uh, I definitely want to talk with you about. I remember seeing this picture not too long ago of your trophy wall, and uh, you've been doing something right, brother. Man, like you got a you got a great trophy wall. Like, hopefully, here in twenty years, me and Tyler can have half of what you have, man. So, I would like to kind of talk about at least one of your big buck stories and kind of uh, go into detail a little bit and things that helped you kill that buck. I don't know yeah. if you have a, a story that comes to mind. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. The, the buck I shot in Kansas this year is pretty, pretty unique. And I've, I've talked about it on a, a couple podcasts, but I, I know we all have, you know, different listeners that, that don't get to all of them. So I'll, yeah. I can tell that one just because it's so fresh in my mind. Um, so the, we called him the tracks buck and Chris Seymour is a guy I hunt with in, in Kansas. And uh, let's see, Adam went out there and hunted this buck as, no, excuse me, let me back up. There was another guy that hunted this buck as a four-year-old on the track's property. And the track's property lays out, there's a railroad track at the absolute eastern side. And on the other side of the tracks is a giant cedar thicket. And the track's buck lived in that cedar thicket. And this guy was hunting him right on our right on the east line of that, and there was a huge snowstorm that came in, and he was hunting over some leftover beans, and the track buck came out, came into that bean field, and it was blowing about 30 miles an hour and snowing, and he ended up shooting him in the back hip. And the buck ran off, and he, he looked for him for like two or three days, never did find him. So as a six-year, obviously we thought the buck was dead. Well, as a six-year-old, the buck, Adam, let's see, let me make sure. Yeah, Adam, the buck showed back up, and he was about a 180-inch five-year-old now and just had mass like crazy and a huge body. He was probably 280 to 320 pounds, wow. just an absolute tank. So Adam wow. hunted. Adam hunted him his entire five-year-old year and didn't have any luck. Um, all nighttime pictures, never had an encounter with him. So uh, I, it was then my turn to go in and chase him as a six-year-old. 
And I, you know, got intel from everybody, set up all my cameras, got a lot of nighttime pictures of him. He was probably in the 190s that year. He had three flyers off the back. And wow. just, it was, was insane how big his body was. And I, uh, on November 2nd, I got a nighttime, a right at, well, probably an hour after dark, um, coming within shooting range of one of my stands, November 2nd. And... I thought you're, you're a dead deer. Um, you know, he was just bebopping through there, not a care in the world. No idea. The camera was there. Nothing. The stand had been there for months. The camera had been there for months. And that was the last picture I ever got of him. I never got another picture of him. I hunted him for 14 or 17 days, basically straight. There's not a lot of deer, um, numbers, uh, in, in this area. So some days I would go and see a coyote from daylight to dark. It was very wow. tight very mental so as a six-year-old we're like okay he somebody killed him you know he's dead so nobody hunted him as a seven-year-old and i hunted another farm and shot a really nice buck on that but we kept a camera running in there and after the season was over chris went and pulled the camera and sure enough the buck was still alive as a seven yeah as a seven-year-old he was still alive so Wait, I've got the years mixed up. Nope. Let's see. As a seven-year-old, I got the years mixed. It doesn't matter. I'm gonna. You you killed when he was a nine and a half year old, right, Joe? Yeah, killed him nine and a half. So I got the years mixed up here. So another guy actually went in there and hunted the deer the year that I killed the buck. So that would have been as an eight-year-old. And what he did, and this is the where where I'm going to land the plane on this. He, we were all convinced the buck was living in that giant cedar thicket. Well, this guy was super lazy, not a very experienced hunter, and there was an old cattle barn right by the road. Well, he goes into that cattle barn and just walks right behind it, dumps a corn pile out, and throws a camera on it so that he can just walk from the house past the barn to hunt right there, didn't really care what he shot. And lo and behold, that buck daylights on that camera pile. <laughs> on that, on that corn pile. As a, as a, and um, Seymour's sending me the pictures of him. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Well, the guy hunted for like two days and was like, no, nah, I've had enough. I don't feel like doing it. I've, I've left and I've already killed a buck in Kansas. So, of course, I pull the map back out and I look at it. And sure enough, on the other side of the road is like a six acre grown up cattle pasture that an old widow owns that doesn't allow any hunting. And I, I was thinking to myself, I, I've been doing this for 30-something years, and I overlook the most obvious thing on earth. So I, I drive by this thing. It's right beside the road, and it's, it's sitting up on a bench, and he could see everything that was going on the entire length of that draw all the way to the railroad tracks. So where we were driving in to hunt, he could see us drive in. He could see us get out of the truck. He could see us go into where we were going. And it just, it made unbelievable sense. So now I have a real plan that if he, if he makes it, um, you know, as a nine and a half year old, then I'm really going to have a crack at him because I know right where he's bedded. Mm-hmm. And sure, sure enough, I, I go out there in, in August, set some cameras up, set the stand up for South wind, North wind, uh, come home, go back out there, do a little more tweaking in the middle of October. And I'm preparing for the rut. So set up a couple 
text cams and fly home. And when I land in Columbia, South Carolina, I look at my phone and I got an 8.30 a.m. picture of him going back into his bed. And there's a cold front coming. And I told my wife, I said, I'm flying back out there. So I guess this was Sunday. I hopped back on the plane. I was in Kansas Sunday by 9.30 in the morning. And and I drove out to the place, got my stuff unloaded, had a north wind, went and got in the stand. And getting dark, getting dark, here here comes a doe in a a thick bean field. And I hear a wire uh, pop from where – you know, it sounded like a deer jumping a cattle fence and he just bumped the cattle fence and yeah. sure enough up, up the draw he comes and shot him at 24 yards and it just wow. it absolutely worked out perfect. Wow. Yeah. That's Incredible. crazy. I've actually heard multiple stories of pretty similar to that where a buck be watching somebody when they come into that, their normal access and that buck will just get up or watch him walk by and then he might get up and mosey off. But me and Tyler actually had that happen this year. Yep. In uh, in Kentucky, that buck jumped up on public land. What Tyler, hundred yards from the parking lot? Oh yeah, probably yeah, hundred hundred fifty. Uh, it was such an overlooked area, but again, you know, everything was in his favor. Favor. I mean, the wind direction. He was tucked in a blowdown. His visibility was wonderful. I mean, he could see when you, especially bedded down. I mean, Gavin, them them you could see a pretty good ways below, oh, yeah. below those low hanging branches. Um, yeah. yeah, always happens too, but that, that's yeah. incredible, Joe. Yeah. The moral, um, the moral of the story is, is these deer will find most obscure out of the way places set up. Yeah. I, I love that. That's, and what a beast. I mean, just yeah. a, I'm looking at it right now. Just, Oh my goodness gracious! What did he end up scoring, Joe? He he was a little over 180 and had he had 48 inches of mass. He he had lost uh he had lost wow. lost his flyers. He he would have been in the 190s if he he had had everything he had had the year before. But you know just a just a really probably you know just happens to be this you know this season that that I got him or last season I should say. Um, so it's real fresh in my mind, but the the whole way that thing unpacked, the lessons learned, the not giving up on him, and and um, you know figuring it out, and just just when you think you know everything, right? You you get humbled so quick with one that that beds in an area that you would never yeah. think, and, and you should have thought, and, and so that was really the lesson learned. Is and you know you hear it the the, the first time hunter success. It is because they don't know any better and they walk into some random spot that nobody would ever hunt. And guess what? The, the reason the buck's in there is because nobody would ever hunt there. So, yep. so you hear that, you hear that a lot. The first time hunter success, they just go yeah. out, don't know what they're doing. This looks like a spot, hang a stand and boom, they kill a giant because nobody's ever hunted there before. Yeah. So, a lot of the world records are killed like that. I believe the United States all time record was killed by a, a brand new hunter like that, where they threw him in a spot that nobody's hunted in years just because they thought it was trash. And then he shoots that 300 inch, whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. An- another state too, I want to ask you personally about Joe is, uh, is Mexico. What's it like hunting in Mexico for whitetail? Yeah. So it's a whole nother animal, man. It, it's a, ton of fun uh, especially if you go down in december 
uh, because the rut there is is so aggressive. I mean, you're going to see snort wheezing, you're going to see fighting, you're going to see tons of chasing, lots of deer. Wow. It's kind of a, it, it's a, it's really a, a no pressure hunt. You know, they they do things completely different down there. You know, you're hunting senderos and they feed corn, and you know that just is yeah. how you do it. That, that's just you know, people a lot of yeah. people the whole feeding and all that, but that's that's how you do it in South Texas and in Mexico. And, you know, it's, it's just a different type of hunting. And, um, I, I love it, you know, because I'm able to take my son down there, you know, it can be a little more social and everybody's going to get lots of action and the weather's much nicer down there, you know, com- coming off that super serious grind in the Midwest or, you know, wherever you may be hunting to get down there and have some nice weather and, you know, it, it just is it's relaxing. It's a lot of fun. And man, if you boys ever get a chance to go down to South Texas or into Mexico, I, I think you'll get hooked really quick. Yeah, I was going to say, I think we're we're planning to do that this year. Um, I think we're going to head down and hunt Texas, uh, kind of northern part up there with um, I, I always have a trouble pronouncing his name. What is it? Is it Tariff or uh, Tariff? Tariff. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So I think we're going to be doing that uh, the first week of December. Um, he said about it. it, just like you said about it being on fire there in December. Um, yeah. So pretty, pretty stoked for that. That that should be a fun time. Good deal. Yeah, man, that will be a lot of fun. Yeah, so, I say we should have all four of us. I think the Angelo, John, and Tyler—they're going to get tags. I'm not getting tagged in Texas, but I'm going to go out there and film them because I'm going to plan to hunt states closer to me. I'm going to go hunt Ohio before I hunt Texas. It's just so much closer yeah. to me. Yeah. Yeah. Ohio is a great state for sure. Yeah. 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 So we're excited, Joe. I know you got some, uh, some, some stuff coming up. So what's some, some new stuff between, uh, coming up for Ozio? I know you guys are launching, I believe this summer, right? A couple yeah. Yeah. Things. So we'll, we'll have, um, we should have all our, photo- like I said, I was talking to, to my guy before we hopped on here, should have the prototypes for all the new stuff in by, the middle of April. So we'll get uh, pictures of them and get them all up on the, on the website. But we've got a, a new heavy vest coming. Um, that's going to be windproof and have a lot of Prima loft insulation in it. Um, we've got a little bit of redesign on our bibs, our vest and our two jackets. We've got some uh, different fabrics coming, different collar design. That's going to be really unique for bow hunting. That's I've never seen in the industry. And then we've got a hand muff coming. We've got a belt coming. We've got base layers coming. And then we've got a smaller backpack. So the run and gun guys that like a, a smaller backpack are really going to like this pack. All right. I'm excited about the hand muff thing, man. That's my go-to. I love having free hands. Yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, I, I get that. Yeah, you you throw a hand warmer in this thing, and, and, and man, you're, you're going to keep your hands warm and not have to pull them out until you're ready to pick your bow up and drop a big one. Yes, sir. Yo, man, we that, just yeah. we appreciate you. We appreciate everybody over at the Osseo team and uh, everything you guys are doing. We're truly grateful for everything you guys done, have done for us, and we're excited for the future, man. This year is uh, it's gonna be a crazy one. Like we're already busier than I've ever been between work and everything we're doing at White the White yeah. Bloodline, and we're as off season as you can get right now. So once it starts getting closer to season, man, we're gonna be scouting even harder. Yeah. Going to be doing some trips to Texas, some trips to Kansas. I'll be hitting Kentucky uh, here real soon, uh, scouting more of that. And we're just we're fired up, man. Uh, yeah, I can like, tell. I can tell y'all have got the y'all have got the bug, y'all have got the passion, and we're we're excited to be working with y'all and 
and um, I, I know it's going to be a great year. Uh, uh, d- don't be losing your wives and your jobs uh, <laughs> here because. It, yeah. It, it, <laughs> oh yeah, that's where I'm at right now. I was I was having a talk with all the guys, and uh, just because I'm one of those guys that uh, I wouldn't say I like doing everything, but it's just like my nature to do as much of everything that I possibly can. It's just kind of how I was raised, I guess, just to work so hard, but. Uh, finally got these guys on the team now, and they're ate up with it. Tyler's good at editing and everything. So I'm about to start giving them the reins more and uh, take some pressure off me because it's starting to get to me. I, I'm, I'm not burnt out, but if I kept doing this for a few more months the way I am, I would definitely get burnt out from doing it. No, I, I get it, man. It is a ton of work. And, uh, you know, when, you, when you're getting started, there's there's not much reward other than, you know, the hunts. But you you got to keep grinding. It's like anything else, yep. man. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. You just got to – each each day get one percent better in whatever it is you're doing and and uh it, it you know we live in the greatest country in the world and and, and you can absolutely do it and and turn your passion into you know how you how you make your living and i, I think you boys are on the right track and i'm i'm really rooting for you and anything we can do at osseo to help you guys you just let us know yep appreciate Likewise. that joe Yep. yep. Me and Tyler say it all the time. We got a five year plan. I'm not going to be no landscaper or electrician in five years. I'm going full time. <laughs> That's good stuff, man. That's awesome. Yep. So, yep. Uh, Tyler, since you're kind of Joe's prodigy, you got anything else for him? Oh, uh, man. What, where are you? Are you got any big trips planned this year, Joe? Well, I'm, uh, I, I my wife won't let me stay in the house very long. Um, if I see it, <laughs> more, than, more than two weeks, she she thinks something's wrong, and I see her starting to look in, look up a divorced attorney's uh, phone. So <laughs> I, I, I do have a couple hunts coming up. Um, Kevin and I are actually going to go to Texas and hunt axis deer in Turkey the first uh, April, and then mid May we're going to Saskatchewan, and it's kind of a dual trip. We're going to I'm going to try and shoot a, a, a big black bear and then also going to scout for whitetail while I'm up there. Um, nice. Yeah, that, we've got those coming up. And then, obviously, we open here August 15th in South Carolina for Velvet, and then um, we'll get going from there. Yeah. Axis, awesome. you ever hunted Axis before? Me, we I were, have. I we shot. were just talking about this. Me and they're, yep. such a cool, they're such a cool animal, and the meat is so good. My family, we love to eat venison. Um, we eat it probably three, four times a week. And, and, uh, the, the axis deer is some of the best meat on the planet. So I, I like shooting them because they're fun to shoot. I like shooting anything with my bow, but then, then the, I guess the spoils, you know, getting that really good meat is always a plus. So yeah, um, they're, they're really neat. Yeah. Dude, we definitely got to, it's been a dream since I was a, a young pup. But Joe, you saying you eat a bunch of venison? I saw you had venison hot dogs. I've never heard of that. I was Dude, like, I've, oh, yeah. I've got to get some of those. How funny is this? So I'm in Pennsylvania, um, at, at the uh, that that great the outdoor great, show. Yeah, outdoors, Great American Outdoor Show. Yeah, I always call it Grand American, whatever. So these eleven brothers, they're Amish. They come by the booth and they they're big fans of Don Higgins. They listen to his podcast through that M Tech Amish uh, dial in service, and they come up and you know I've obviously been on Don's podcast quite a few times and and uh, anyway, so that it's like they know me and and uh, <laughs> we just start talking. They all had their ICO gear and we're talking. Well, they they have a meat processing uh, service and we were talking about it and I I said man I was looking at something the other day. There was a processor that 
processor that had these jalapeno cheddar um, hot dogs. I mean, can you imagine a venison oh. hot dog? Good that would be. And um, yeah, they, they didn't say anything, you know, about it. They, they just, you know, we talked and talked and, and off, uh, off they went. Well, right before the Ohio show, one of the brothers calls me and says, I, you know, Joe, this is so-and-so um, newsburger, newsburger, and uh, we, we got a gift for you. Uh, one of my buddies is going to bring it into the show and, and give it to you. And sure enough, man, this guy shows up, and these guys had gone home and figured out how to make venison cheddar jalapeno hot dogs and sent me like seven packs of them. I mean, wow. just <laughs> and I, I ate three awful. of them last night, man. And they were, they were absolutely delicious. So any of you guys, it's new swanger. That, that's the last okay. one. New, okay. new swanger meats. So if you okay. ever kill anywhere in the state of Ohio, they're kind of in the Northeast corner of Ohio, but it would be worth the drive to, to take it up to those boys. Cause man, they are, they are serious about it. That's man, awesome. It's not too far from me. They're only a couple hours from me. I might have to do that. Yeah, I had the first one thing I got this year for my buck this year was uh deer scrapple. And it's kind of like a PA thing. It's like a breakfast meat that we fry up in a frying pan. It's kind of like uh like almost mash, if you nice. will. Kind of gets crispy on the outside. It's really good. Yeah. It's a PA thing. Scrapple's a PA thing. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, PA people are weird, dude. No, I do we are. Yeah, I I I definitely <laughs> Scrapple and eggs, boy, get out of my way. I'm in. Yeah, that's it. That's it. You know it. You know it. But, yeah, Gab, you got anything else uh, for Joe? No, I don't say. I don't think this is going to be the last one we do with him. So, uh, we won't take too much of your time, Joe. We truly appreciate you. know we're busy, and we know you're a lot more busy than us. No, man, it's it's all good, and and I really appreciate it and would love to do another one. Y'all just let me know when, and we'll hop on and do another one. Perfect, Joe. I appreciate you, brother, man. All right, guys, y'all have a good yep. night. Hey, you too, Joe. Take care. All right, boys. See you. See you.